Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. There's a lot of news, folks, and I want to cover the news because some of this is actually good news. Some of it's, I don't want to cuss, but some of it's nonsense, I guess is my replacement word for that. But generally speaking, they're good news, and I, I, have, to, I have a confession to make here. I was stuck a little bit because I had to think about what underdog token I wanted to cover because there's quite a few of them that I have on my radar, especially one that's getting a lot of attention right now. And I covered it before briefly, but didn't go deep into it. And ultimately, the other one that I want to talk about is a true underdog because I it, either nobody knows about it or the marketing sucks or something. And so it won out and I'm going to be covering that one later. But just at the front, so you understand, this episode, I am going to be doing more news than the underdog, because the underdog, nobody knows about it yet, and I want to try to help them if they're still trying to actively market this dude, because I don't, I struggle that one, and I'll probably refer the other one that's more popular to tomorrow's episode is probably my guess, because I do have a stake in it, and I've done my research, I just haven't, you know, there's a lot to talk about. So, first, let's get into the news. The SEC... Uh, the chair of the committee, his name's Gensler, this dude. And Gensler's whole thing, he's an old dude, so he doesn't understand, I argue, he doesn't understand cryptocurrency. And as I said before, now this is on a different side. This isn't dealing with the whole energy uses. This is more about locking it down, turning it into the stock market. That's what they're focusing, and they're, and Gensler's claiming that that's going to be their focus in 2022, is basically turn it to the stock market. Some people will say, no, you're just tinfoil hat, and we don't know that. You have no proof. It's the SEC. That's all they know. You can bank on it. You can turn this audio into an NFT later. In fact, I'll probably do it because I'll have had the first prediction of what they're trying to do, which is turn it into the stock market. I'll quote him. I'm not neutral about investor protection. If somebody wants to speculate, that's their choice. But we have a role as a nation to protect those investors against fraud. Now, he's correct. In protecting against fraud, but fraud is a very broad term. Unless we refine that down a little bit, we cannot say that crypto in general is fraud or that crypto exchanges are fraud or that somebody who gets taken as a honeypot, that that's fraud. It may, it might be, right? It's certainly a scam, but fraud is a very dangerous term to throw out there because what are you going to do against that? Because most of that happens not on the exchanges. Most of that happens in the descent space. So if you're going to regulate exchanges, as in centralized exchanges, and beholden them to rules that really should apply on the descend side, I think that's dangerous because the centralized exchanges do everything they can to help investors not get taken for a ride. And you haven't seen, by and large, any of the centralized exchanges have any sort of a breach with respect to fraud. Like, that's not something that normally happens. Is it possible they get hacked? Of course, Crypto.com had it. Coinbase had it. BitMart had it. So it happens in terms of breach, but that's not fraud. Breach is a different thing. Breach is a hacker who got in. Fraud means that you are intentionally trying to take money from somebody. It's a very dangerous statement to make, and I don't like it coming from him. And as I look at him, he needs to get some sleep. And regardless of this, I don't want them to get in the business of trying to lock down the centralized exchanges more than they already have done because it's not solving the real problem of where these are happening. These are not happening in the centralized exchanges. These are vastly happening in the descent space. So if you want to say that on the descent side, you're going to look into ways to try to help investors and protect them, that's fine. But when we talk about centralized exchanges, 
I have a problem with this. Now, here's what they'd probably say in contradict. Because later they were talking about, okay, we know other countries like China, they're banning crypto. We are not going to be those. We're not going to ban crypto. We want to try to protect people. We're not going to follow and ban Bitcoin. It's not what we want to do. We are trying to lock down proof of work, but we're not going to stop it. I know people are freaked out because it sounds like we're trying to lock it down. We're not. We're trying to keep you safe. Here's the thing, dude. Your intents to try to keep people safe essentially results in a ban. Because if you were to hear my story I covered on Gentleman's World, I talked about the fact that Andrew Cuomo, on his mission to try to protect students, ultimately killed the private side of the federal student loan industry and negated students from getting the benefits of things like rebates and things like interest rate reductions that were part of the natural course of free market and competition, all because of a few select bad eggs. And instead of going against the bad eggs, he blamed the industry at large as being corrupt. That's what you're doing here. You're doing the same thing where you're blaming the industry as opposed to going after those bad eggs and solving that problem. So your protection is heavy-handed. And then you got freaking Maxine Waters in there, and she doesn't know what the heck she's doing. Elizabeth Warren, she doesn't know what the heck she's doing. And I guarantee you there's people in Congress right now who want to get rid of crypto. They don't want crypto because they don't want people to have individual access to wealth. We know this to be the case. They've outright said so. They want people to be available to be dependent on the system. That's what they want. They want to attack the stable coins. That's great. However, if you're going to restrict access to the stable coin, that's going to be a problem. If you're going to make it as the same level of accessibility as it is today, but instead force the exchanges to take extra steps to do things, that might be okay. But we know how your government works because it's the way it's always worked in the current type of administration that we have, which is Democrat. You want to restrict and limit access to these because that's the only way you know. You want to turn it into the stock market because that's the only way you know. So you want to see halting the volatility because in your mind, volatility is dangerous. That's why I covered on yesterday's episode when the guy said, look, why don't we put this to public vote and opinion as opposed to making one-sided rules? That's the truth. That's what we need to do. And Circle, and if you heard me talk about Circle, Circle is basically in charge of, or the originator is probably better said, of the USDC stablecoin, which is the most popular one in the United States. The SEC had already subpoenaed them, and they're already under scrutiny. So you got them under scrutiny, you got Binance under scrutiny, you got XRP under scrutiny, you got all these ones under scrutiny that they're just attacking, which makes it very difficult for the crypto industry to function because as they attack all these, essentially think about it, you're creating all these ways to attack outlets to get fiat out of the crypto. That's what you're really doing because Tether is also under attack. So you take Tether, which has a stable coin, USDC, which has a stable coin, you attack them. So now it gets harder to cash out. It's not impossible. It's not gone. It's not broken. But all these efforts are creating this steamroll effect, and it's because of the current administration. You didn't see anything like this, anywhere near like this, in the previous administration. Do you know why? Because the current administration does not want people to be independently wealthy. They want people to be dependent on the system and subject to rules where they're fired from their jobs for not sticking something in their arm. That's the current administration's desire. That's what they want to see when you have something where somebody can be independently wealthy and make their own course of it and they don't need the system. At what point do you need the government then? That's the mindset. Whereas the truth is that the government should only play a tertiary role at a surface and not get in the weeds 
and the day-to-day of people's lives. And if they find a way that they can become wealthy through playing with the crypto system and they learn about it, have at them. If there's somebody where they get scammed, and I would argue everybody who's been in crypto has been scammed at least once at this point. It's a normal thing. We have to better educate people. That's why there's so many services that have been setting up, including my own, that try to educate people so that we avoid the scams in the first place. But we, by way of education, try to get ahead of some of that. Don't YOLO into projects, number one. Don't toss everything. I see people still tossing $15,000 at something just because it looked good on the surface. I was looking at the the Dior token as an episode series that they do, Rugged, Ruined, and Wrecked. And they were talking about this made a mask coin. And I'm like, I never even heard of this thing. And then a verified check mark. I didn't even know they had a verification process. Turns out that just basically hackers got in between. It was a man in the middle attack to inject data that tricked people. And then people went and ran with it. So the scams are getting a lot more elaborate, but we have to educate because there were a lot of signs that we can use. That means that as I talked to striking on the show and we talked about the idea of the industry self-regulating itself, that's a good example. Like that whole situation with, and it was Dex tools, I believe, should never have happened. You shouldn't have had that breach in the first place that would have enabled, but they didn't think about the potential for the hackers to be able to do that, which goes back to my ego episode where they're not taking the time to ask questions and test using white hat hackers and understand where their vulnerabilities are. All of these open, and then the crypto.com. On the show, they showed that, yeah, the crypto.com, they went through all these ISO regulations checked off and security and all this. And I do know a lot of the standards. I don't want to share all of them here. You can research it because I don't want to bore you with the technical details, but suffice it to say the stuff that they were cleared on means that they should have been rock solid and yet they still got hacked, which is why I said it had to be an inside job because there's no way that you could be that secure and still get breached to that degree. And to getting back to crypto.com because they are, part of the rule today, part of the news today, they apparently confirmed the hack. They confirmed the amount of about three, four, or three point, excuse me, 34 million, 34.4 actually million is a loss. They said that they're not going to explain how they were able to breach it. They're just saying it's a loss. We're going to fix it and we're moving forward. I, I'm going to tell you this straight up. I, I find that an unacceptable answer. It's a completely unacceptable answer. They don't need to give specifics about the breach methodology, but what they should do is talk about what was breached. In other words, what was it that failed? What was it that went wrong? What was it that you did that did not support what you were trying to do? All they explained was that, you know, basically, you know, we got breached and if you were breached, we got your funds back. You didn't lose any money. So don't worry about it. And you get notification when there's things going forward that's happening. I don't, I don't think this is, I don't think this is acceptable. In light of this, they created or announced, so it probably was already in the works because I suspect they knew their system was jacked up and they knew something was going to happen. So they were working on what they call the worldwide account protection program. And this is basically a carbon copy of what I was saying with some sort of FDIC protection. So how this allegedly works, and obviously I haven't tested it because I suspect they were working on this knowing that they were insecure. <laughs> the, the way this works is up to $250,000 of funds re- restored for qualified people in the event of fraud or theft. Now, again, there goes that fluffy word fraud again. Theft makes sense, but how do you define theft? 
And then qualify, you have to meet some criteria. You have to have two-factor authentication enabled in all transactions. You have to file a report with local police. You know, I understand the two-factor authentication just because in I don't like two-factor authentication when it's heavy-handed, right? But I do like it when it is offered to people and it's it's we can simplify it somewhat. But I don't agree with if it's SMS two-factor, which I'm pretty sure theirs is. If they've changed it since, great. But I'm pretty sure theirs is SMS two-factor. If it's SMS two-factor, it wouldn't have solved the problem because SMS two-factor is insecure. So they need to get to TOTP, a.k.a. Google Auth or Microsoft Auth or LastPass Auth or Authy, the tool that you run on your phone, and it gives you a code, not the text message because the text message is not secure because the protocol can be intercepted the same way as what happened with the Dex tools thing. So this is an example where they're, they have the best of intentions, but I want to make sure that if they're going to force two-factor being on, they really need to make sure that it's the TOTP and not the SMS two-factor to make sure that we're not just putting a lipstick on a pig and requiring an unsecure method of two-factor. Filing with a local police, what the heck is that going to do? Because it's freaking blockchain. You can submit all that you care to. They're not going to do anything with this. That one's, that one's posturing to me. I understand why they're doing it. They're doing it because they want the user to have to do something. They want the user to have to take some steps. They don't want the user to assume that they're going to get your money back with no action taken from you, which to me just lessens my recommendation for crypto.com as a service because it's all posturing. We don't want to answer what happened. We don't want to answer how we got breached. We don't want to answer how we solved it, but we're going to add some hoops to you and then we're going to put a limit on how much we can restore because we know that there's some people that lost millions and millions of dollars and we're not going to restore those millions and millions of dollars under this amazing new protection, which allows us to then back off and say, okay, screw you. If you lose a million dollars, you're just toast. You're not getting it back. No, I find that unacceptable. I will never recommend crypto.com. I didn't recommend them before because they're mobile only. And I had a sense something like this might happen. And that's why I said no, that's unacceptable strategy in their process. Yeah, I know you got the new stadium and all that's cool, but you're doing the wrong thing from my perspective. And on the upside, Bitcoin. Whales have been stacking bags of Bitcoin during this dip. They've been buying crazy amounts of Bitcoin. And I talked about the fact that the reserves are getting kind of low on Bitcoin. This is interesting to me that whales have been stacking it, but also we knew that there were miners, M-I-N-E-R-S, that were holding on to Bitcoin, that means that it's bullish. That means this guy's going to start jumping. And these people know. They know it's going back up. They know that it's going to be climbing, and they're trying to get ahead of it. What that means is that I think they're going to be, whenever it does start going back up, which I suspect is going to happen roughly around the time that we settle down on this whole legislative nonsense, I suspect what's going to happen is you're going to see a pump, I think it's going to go above that whatever it was 65 grand or whatever that top level was. I think it's going to go above that. It's going to go on a run and then it's going to have another crash because I think people are going to sell for major profits and they're going to, now that they can't rely on stable coins, I think they're going to invest that money into other coins, various other t tokens that are on the, on the come up, especially some of these capital coins. So I suspect from my theory that we're going to have a very bullish, probably Q3 of 2022 across the board, starting with Bitcoin kind of leading the way. We still don't know what's going on with ETH2O. That, I believe, is going to cause some major buy pressure as well. But I thought that was interesting when I saw. SHIB. Let's talk about SHIB. 
That's S-H-I-B for the transcriptionist out there. But SHIB, SHIB has some very interesting things happen. The One of the developers on SHIB announced that they were going to do, they were planning to do some sort of a burn around SHIB. If you heard multiple episodes of mine, you will know that I talked about the need to do a rather large burn. We're talking hundreds of trillions, not in the millions, not in the billions. Well, apparently they're working on mechanisms to introduce a burn. This is what was told, that there will be burn mechanisms. They have burned a couple million, but that's obviously not enough. But they're saying there will be some burn mechanisms introduced. And they've done the transactional ones, right? They'll, you know, like the entertainment company and other places. Now, the problem here is that the we don't know what that means. When you say you're going to introduce a burn, we don't know what that means. We don't know if they're going to burn on a large scale because, remember, SHIB has a lot of holders. So I suspect that some of the concern has always been the number of holders and the impact on liquidity because you could have a mass sellout. The contract, as I understand it, was never designed to help anti-whale. The SHIB has largely not ever crashed, not to a significant degree, outside of the whole coin market cap issue. But I don't believe the contract was ever built to prevent a whale, you know, trashing the token. So I don't know, I don't know what effect that'll have or how much it's going to be. They're burning millions of it through the transactional burn. So it's not like they're not doing some transactional burns. They are happening. You can see it yourself at shibburn.com. You can see consistently there's a lot. It's just that there's so much in inventory that it's, it's, it's going to take a long time. And we're talking hundreds of trillions. So unless the developers step up and do something, there's not going to be very much. The other thing they were talking about doing was something similar to the way that Disco Burn Token does, where they're going to do basically a celebration burn party and just kind of recurrently do a burn party where they're going to destroy tokens kind of as a community event, which I I honestly believe is inspired by DBT, and I don't think they got credit for it. That's fine. But... They did, apparently they did one recently back in December, but there was only millions of tokens burned. That's not going to have, that's not going to make a dent. We're talking not even a penny worth of a dent. They're intending to burn $100,000 worth of ship. That's $3 billion. It's still not going to make a dent. Like, I want people to understand how bad it is on the ship side and the fact that they're having this issue that even if you burned millions every day for this year, if you let's say this three billion that you did, if you did three billion every single day, you still would only have shortly over one trillion tokens burned. But you have five hundred trillion in inventory remaining. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it would take you forever. That's why they have to do trillions and trillions of tokens in their burn. If you were able to justify a one trillion token burn, okay, that per day, because it would take a lot. Let's say you do one trillion per day for a year. Okay, that gets you down to two hundred trillion. Then you do a marketing campaign. By that point, your price is going to move up. You're going to be bullish signal, and you're going to have people buy in that remaining inventory, so you don't need to burn it. As you do the transactional for the buys and sells, right? So people sell out. You implement if you can, and I believe they still in the contract. You implement if you can either a buyback provision or a true burn. When I say a true burn, I'm talking a burn contract, not dead wallet. You implement ways to kind of just chip away at what's remaining. So now you're down to about 200 trillion ish and you just chip away at it. That price is going to jump. 
that price is going to jump and you're not going to be able to stop it. And people are going to be made millionaires. They're going to sell out. If you do the buyback, you can help mitigate some of this. Just something to think about. So that's out there. On the other side, though, SHIB, some of it went back into circulation. Now, that means that there's activity. And, of course, with the burn, the we're getting down, winning away. But we also see the supply is increasing again because there's more coins. And what's happening and the reason for this, so you understand, if you saw, hey, what the heck's going on? And coin market cap can't be trusted, by the way. But what's happening apparently is that there are people that are unstaking from ShibaSwap because part of the issue with the inventory tracker is that when you have your coins in staked in like ShibaSwap or SushiSwap or whatever, if you stake your coins, they are taken out of circulation. I think the assumption of the developer team was that everybody would just jump on the board with ShibaSwap and thus it'll, it'll naturally affect the circulating supply. This also might have contributed to why CoinMarketCap had the wrong inventory for so long is it might have been people that were just pulling out of ShibaSwap because ShibaSwap, the rewards suck. And so people probably just said, okay, screw it. We're just going to pull our stuff out. Well, there might be a lot of people that have their stuff staked in there and we might have a long way to go. And so that now that, that means, geez, you guys are in a bad, bad spot because you're dealing with the CoinMarketCap inventory issue. You're dealing with unstaked tokens going back into circulation, which is just negating all the burns you do. So the only way you're going to get away from this business is to actually do trillion token burns. And you'd have to do one per day for a year to get back to a reasonable number of tokens. And even then it might not work, but I'm making the assumption that by doing that, your price movement's going to go up so high, it's going to start appealing to people and you're going to do a mass marketing outreach to get more people to buy into the token to consume the remaining supply. Then you entice people on ShibaSwap fix the issues with it, make the rewards not suck and get people to buy into it in a perfect world, you would partner with something like Multiverse Capital or any printer or somebody else to where you are also introducing more coins to people's wallets on a routine basis. So there are ways that they could do it. But as I talked about in my Ingo episode, they're not trying to hear me. If any of the ship devs listen to this episode, I think I just solved it for you, in my opinion. And I would love the smoke. If any of you want my guidance and what I think you should do as a SHIB holder myself, but this is the reason why I sold the vast majority of my bag and I still sit on a small bag off to the side that I've never touched is because it everything now, as far as price movement and the success of this thing is going to depend on the moves you make and your, your burns are not cutting it today, but there are ways that you can get around having to do excessive burns, but you really need to start with like a, trillion per day getting burned figure it out then partner up with these other services that are spinning up that are great ways to get the tokens in other people's wallets and partner and make make that work like you should be partnered with earn hub you should be partnered with mvc you should be partnered with any printer you should be partnered with anybody else who's willing to offer your token period figure it out so that now we can decrease that circulating supply and drive price movement and then with marketing campaigns you should be able to get over that last finish line everybody's waiting for, which is really one penny. If you can get to one penny, I guarantee you that thing is unstoppable. It's not going to be stopped. But you're going to have to do some things you don't want to do. That's the truth of it. And then the last piece I want to call out, and there won't be a lot to this, but apparently the Bank of Russia wants to declare everything crypto-related, including mining, completely illegal. So they want to do a complete-up ban, just like with China. 
Uh, there's not much to this as of right now. People speculate it's not going to really go anywhere. The whole Kazakhstan may have contributed to this decision, but people think it's not really going to go anywhere because Russia, of everybody else, thinks the world, I think, of cryptocurrency. I think they like the money and they want to get that money and they want to get that business. That's my opinion on it. I could be flat out wrong, but that's what I see on that deal. Now, finally, finally, I'm done with the news or I'm done with what I want to talk about of the news. There's a lot of news, but that was what I wanted to cover. Predominantly the SHIB stuff because it's like break or make or break now. And I, I'm sad to see that they're at that point. But we are finally at the point, folks, of our underdog token. And I'm, I, I want to say I'm excited talking about this one just because it, one of two things is true. Either this dude is a straight-up underdog in the most clear definition of said, or they've abandoned it, which I don't think so because I check social media on it, or it there's just so much saturation in the market and they haven't marketed like the other ones and they have not used shillers to a heavy degree. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is. All I can tell you is that this guy, is its performance doesn't make any sense to me based on what I see of it. And I want to give it coverage. I'm going to add it on social media. And if any of them want to come on the show, I, I would love to have you on the show to help explain to me why the heck this thing is not going where it should be going. This token is called Parabolic, a.k.a. Para on the Binance chain. So don't confuse it with Parainu, which is on the Ethereum side. It's called Parabolic token. And Parabolic token, I... I stumbled across it actually on accident, pure accident. It's apparently been out since like September of last year. So it's not a new token, but I'm still classifying it as an underdog because it seems to have run under the radar of almost vast majority of people. And I'm not sure what the heck happened here. Um, it's got strong support from an organic perspective. It's got like nobody questions this one. Nobody questions it from what I can tell of the social media sentiment. Nobody really questions this dude. Um, it's had moderate, moderate, you know, marketing and promotion since it launched, but nothing heavy handed. I didn't see a lot of different shillers pressing it. I didn't see anything that would affect, you know, my confidence in it. But I do see that there's just something weird about this freaking token, and I don't know what it is, and that's what I want to understand best. Because as it stands, I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure I'm clear. My uh, either I'm missing something, or they they just like I said they abandoned it or something else. I don't know what that is. But with this token, this one has as I looked at it, <clears throat> uh, there's a social media account. Social media account is pressing on a bunch of different things. They're talking about a bunch of different um, tokens and things that they're doing out there in the business. And I didn't, I didn't look too deep into the one that's called talent token. I didn't look too deep into that one. I was only looking at the core one because the mechanics caught my eye and I want to just describe what, what it is. The sad part is it says the token that's designed to explode yet. It has never exploded. Never. And I don't know why, <laughs> Uh, but it has never, ever, ever exploded. And, of course, the goal is the name is pretty clear. It wants to go parabolic. Going parabolic simply means that it's going to have a significant jump, a significant climb. And from what I can tell, it has never had such 
unless I'm missing something on the charts. And like I said, if, if they're listening, I want to smoke because I don't see that this token has ever gotten to gotten off the ground. And I want to understand why. I seriously want to understand why. There's on the tokenomics, they charge 12% on each transaction. So this is buys and sells. But here's where it gets interesting. There's a 3% buyback. Others do a buyback, but they call out that, yes, we, we do a buyback different. We don't do our buyback and send it to a dead wallet, which drives me nuts, right? They do the buyback, and they actually execute a burn contract, which I keep calling out, right? So I love that, but then they also will take, the, take some of the tokens and they'll pair them with liquidity pairs so that you have multiple ways of buying the token from the Descent Exchange because it's not on a centralized exchange. It's only on PancakeSwap. So that was interesting, the, the way that they do the buybacks of this, but also the deflationary burn. Again, with it, because we removed it from supply, because we execute a burn contract, it is inherently deflationary. Yes, that makes perfect sense because when you send it to the dead wallet, you're not removing it from supply. You're not removing it from total supply. You're not removing it from circulating supply. It's just like another holder. That's what the dead wallet is. So them executing a burn, actual burn contract, that's excellent. I love it. And then auto liquidity we talked about. So they're not only are they doing liquidity pairs, creating liquidity pairs, and if you look on PooCoin, this is working. You can see there's liquidity pairs all over the place. They got liquidity pairs to USDC, USDT, Cake. Do Cake is uh, Pancake Swaps coin. Doge even. Um, Ethereum. And that's that's nuts to me because think about it. This is a Binance coin, Binance chain coin. And yet you can use Ethereum to buy the darn thing. Like, do you understand how, how unique that is? Bitcoin has a pair, which is unusual on the Binance side. And then, of course, Binance USD and then BNB is the largest. But the, the variety of different pairs that's available, I don't think any other token I can recall has this much diversity of pairings for liquidity available to where people can buy in. And then you're using the taxes that you charge in order to charge these up. That's I love that. All liquidity supports that. And then, of course, there's a small percentage for game development. It does not have that I can see any reflections, but it doesn't look like it needs it in the way that they built the tokenomics. It's purposely built to ensure strength of the token over time. That's kind of how they built this guy. And so I looked at this and I'm like, this is perfect. Like these are perfect tokenomics. I couldn't ask for anything better. Even if you don't have a reflection, that's okay because the way that you're investing it back into the liquidity pool means this guy should be rock solid for a long time. Then I looked at the roadmap. And they launched in September. They immediately got on known sources of data. Uh, that was their first priority. I like that because a lot of tokens don't do that. They'll wait to get on CoinMarketCap, for example. In October, they didn't get everything done that they wanted to get done. So they look like they focused mostly on the data points. So this is getting on PooCoin. This is getting on DexTools, CoinMarketCap for September and October. And they deprioritized social media. And... From This is where I got concerned because from November on, there are no other updates that I can see. And I don't know if that's just because they stopped trying or if it's because they tried and weren't successful at it or what's happening. Their roadmap, though, is all the way through, and it says January 2021, but I know it's 2022. But their roadmap goes through February. When I looked at the graphs on PooCoin, this dude, it's not tanking, but it's certainly not growing. And it's basically because of low volume. 
This tells me one of two things. Either nobody knows about it, and so that's why they have not got the volume numbers that they would expect, which makes sense because if they don't do the community or social media stuff, there's no conduit for awareness. So that would make sense if that's the case, that there's just not a lot of awareness of the token. And it has its spikes every now and then, but it's never been able to sustain it. And then it's been trending downward. However, it never, from what I can tell, dropped to zero. So it never got above that threshold. It's always been at like five zero. So it's a pretty reasonable price of entry. And my suspicion, and again, if they're listening, I would love to have you on the show to help me understand this because they're the these are the cleanest tokenomics I've ever seen of a project. I ran it through my scanner of choice to check the contract, and they did have some concerns about the holders, and that makes sense because there's nobody else there. <laughs> but other than that, it was a generally clean contract and didn't have any concerns there. There was things that they could improve on, but I don't know what happened. I don't know where it went south from November on. Starting in November, it seems like there was no activity, and I don't know if it's that they, again, did they abandon the token are they still in it, but they're not trying, or are they just kind of doing it as an organic, like Imperium is doing organic, where they don't want to rely on social media? What's causing this? What's causing this price movement? Because from what I can tell, folks, this dude should already be at a penny. This dude should be already skyrocketed from just solid everything around. When I looked at the white paper now, I was blown away. They have, uh, they have defeated Dozilla in terms of the most impressive white paper I think I've ever seen. And outside of the information of the white paper that's there, they, they cover everything. They cover everything, what they're doing, why they're doing it. Apparently, this token was started, and they're doxxed, but they're started by the owner of a company that deals with mental health. And if you remember, I ran a coin through the ringer because they were saying, I think it's a dream, yeah, and they're talking about, yeah, we're going to do banker's hours deep, 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 because they think that that correlates to mental health. And I'm like, that's not solving the problem. So a token like that is getting major amounts of attention when they're basically just uh, one-sided enforcing a standard on people. They're getting all the attention under the auspice of mental health. But a company here that's run by a guy who runs an actual mental health organization is not getting any attention. It's criminal. And I don't mean that literally. I mean figuratively. It's criminal. It's wrong. This is where the mental health advocacy should be steered, is a company like this one, where we are building a token that has the good tokenomics that are designed to help make sure that people are getting what they're buying in for with good tokenomics that take care of the investors and they're not forcing bankers' hours or stock trading hours upon the users. I love it. So I'm taking this one, and that's why I voted for them first, to talk about them first, because I was very disappointed to see the low volume numbers, if they have discontinued the token, which it doesn't look like they have, because they do have a fair number of holders still, if they discontinued it, though, I'd like to know about it. I'd like to know what's, what's the story on this. Why, why are we seeing this level of decline? Because it doesn't make any sense to me why this one has not taken off. It has less than one quadrillion. looks like it started with one quadrillion tokens. It's down to 900 trillion. Actually, excuse me. 900 billion tokens are remaining, so it had 1 trillion at one point, possibly more, but there's 900 billion tokens remaining. So it's got a constrained inventory, too. That means the burns are working. I don't see... It's frustrating, folks. It's frustrating. Sorry. I'm, I'm truly upset that this one doesn't have the attention it deserves if it's still active and it's still out there. So I'm going to share this on social media. If, they're, if they discontinued it, I'd love to hear the smoke and understand that a little bit better. Because I'm really not, 
I'm not clear what the hell's going on because it's got the perfect tokenomics from everything I could see. This is everything I would hope for in a token. Take a look at this one. If you are curious, like I was curious, take a look at this one. Their website's called ParaboliCToken.com. Take a look at it. I'm telling you, when you look at that white paper, I challenge you to compare that freaking white paper against something like Parainu. It's not even close. Their white paper is amazing, and I love their tokenomics. And I'm not doing this to shill. I'm serious when I say that I can't find a single fault outside of what appears to be something wrong with either marketing, possibly, and just not advertising it. Or is it abandoned? I don't think so, but maybe. It doesn't look like it from social media. But I don't see anything that's fundamentally wrong, per se. There are things they could improve, certainly. Like there's no CERTIC audit yet, but is that because of what, you know, they haven't got enough volume? Because when you do the CERTIC audit, you got to pay for that, and there's a lot to it. So I want to understand more, and I will reach out to try to understand more for you and do a circle back, and I welcome them on the show if they want to talk to me. But that's all I got for you today. I'm not going to talk about Satama because everybody knows what's going on with Satama. I did talk extensively about SHIB. Maybe I'll cover Satama tomorrow if I see a rebound on its decline. But that was ParaboliCToken.com that I covered today and then all the various news. I don't think I'll have an afternoon update. However, next week I got a couple things scheduled, including a very special guest coming on the show. 